Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. I am the host today. And joining me, as always, my friends and colleagues, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And gentlemen, we're on a little bit of a roll, but we won't rest on our laurels because we got to get into a six-match Premier League slate coming to us in the midweekend. Five out of the six matches have a lot of jeopardy to them. And one the other one, the outlier, you know, there's still some, some stuff to get into, but we'll start at the top with the headliner for the week. You can argue it's also the first game coming up Tuesday, 3 PM. It's Liverpool and Manchester United, two old rivals meeting at Anfield with Liverpool sitting at minus 255. They're prohibitive favorites against United at a big price, seven to one. The draw here is four to one. We've seen a lot of Liverpool over the past few weeks. They've played Manchester City twice, once uh, in the Premier League, once in the FA Cup. They just uh, won a two-leg tie over Benfica in the Champions League quarterfinals again at the semifinals. And, of course, they're playing other Premier League games. So this does seem like an interesting spot, I think, to take them on. And there will be a little bit of discussion here. But before we get into that, Anthony, you see this game having some chaos written all over it. I do. Yeah, I mean... Look, I think we've been kind of blessed this year as a group because, you know, historically the the big six matches sometimes don't live up to the hype. But I mean, think about some of the matches we've gotten this year across the big six and how many goals they've had. Uh, this is from the Athletics Football Podcast, uh, Tactical Football Podcast, 3.9 goals per match. Man United has had in its games against other top six opponents, Liverpool 3.2. So it's just been a lot of back and forth in these big games. A lot of it is because United's defense has been really bad. Uh, a lot of it has been because Liverpool plays this high octane approach that's high risk. They concede chances, high line. Uh, so it, I'm excited for this. Yeah, and, and I think just from a, from a betting perspective, I'm going to be, and we we touched on this in the last podcast, like sell all day on Manchester United against Norwich City. Come back 72 Probably hours. Probably should have won that. Yeah, exactly. Come back 72 hours later. And then buy on them. So you go on selling them against the worst team in the Premier League, and you're going to buy on them against a team that's chasing the title. And it comes down to just the spot and plus some defensive regression coming for Liverpool. They played Manchester City twice in a week. They played two uh, Champions League legs in sandwiching those games. And now they have to play Manchester United, and then they have a Merseyside derby on the other side of the United game, and then back into the Champions League. At some point, this team, it's going to catch up to them. They're in the Premier League, they're 10-1-0 win, draw, loss in their last 11. 27 goals for, four goals allowed impressively, very impressively. Those 27 goals for basically match up evenly to their expected goals for. But their defensive record, they're running hot. They're running hot by five goals, according to expected goals. 9.12 expected goals against in their last 11 Premier League matches and only four goals actually allowed. Plus, 
I mean, this isn't a walkover offense. Like for all of United's flaws, most of them are defensively and in the midfield and stopping opposing teams. They are creating chances. 1.73 expected goals per 90 in their last 13 matches. Their fifth United United is in terms of creating non-penalty expected goals per 90 and sixth in big chances per 90 over the course of the season. And they'll be up for this game. I think that's an important thing to note. Like this, this is, this is an Everton at Goodison park where they're going to have to deal with a team fighting relegation or Norwich city where they're going to have to deal with, you know, a pest pesky team. And it's just, they can walk, you know, just Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes. Are they going to get up for Norwich city? No, Liverpool is a different story. Uh, and this number is just, it's way too good to pass up. So I'm going to take it. United 7-1 on the money line. BJ, I feel like you and I rarely find ourselves disagreeing, but we are here. Well, I mean, when it comes to Manchester United, I am just been so anti them all season long. And I honestly think this is another perfect spot to fade them. I mean, what really has changed from Olga Solskjaer to Ralph Ragnick against big sides for Manchester United? Nothing. The last, the biggest match we've seen them in the Premier League under Ragnick was against City, and City just absolutely throttled them. So I'm not buying Manchester United against anybody who, who's even somewhat decent, especially on the level of Liverpool. So against Manchester City, Chelsea, and Liverpool this season, Manchester United has been outscored 12 to 2 and by expectables 11.3 to 3.3. So they haven't been competitive really whatsoever. They've every single match, they've fallen into the exact same trap where they have to sit incredibly deep. They don't provide much pressure and just hope that they can get a counter-attacking opportunity for Ronaldo and Sancho. And guess what? It worked against Chelsea. They got a draw. That's exactly how they played. And they got really lucky and they got a, were able to get a, a breakaway and they scored and they drew 1-1. The one way you have to beat Liverpool and what we've seen early on this season and a lot of teams haven't been able to do it is you have to press them back when they come with their high press. And United really hasn't been able to do that. I mean, if you go back through those matches, they've gotten smothered by everybody's high press from Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man City. The highest amount of possession they've held in any of those matches is 37%, which was against Liverpool when they got drilled 5-0 earlier this season. I mean, even this past weekend, to go up 2-0 against Norwich and allow the worst team in the Premier League to just come back and level things up at home and have Ronaldo have to save you with a free kick, like that is quite embarrassing. I mean, expected goals was 2.1 to 1.9 in favor of United. And now they're supposed to go to Anfield and be competitive. I do not see that whatsoever. Liverpool's won 10 straight matches at home in the premier league, and they have a plus 24.3 expected goal differential in those matches. I understand the spot for Liverpool. I understand their sixth match in 17 days and maybe it's not the best situation, but from what I've seen from United against these bigger sides, it doesn't give me any really hope for them to be competitive. I mean, even De Gea is standing on his head this season. He has a plus 9.6 post-shot uh, XG plus minus. That, I believe, is the best in the Premier League over Jose Sa now. So if De Gea wasn't there and they just had an average goalkeeper, United would be allowing 1.67 expected goals per match. That would be 17th in the Premier League. That's how much De, De Gea has saved them and how bad they've been defensively. So I think this is going to be Liverpool in an absolute route. So, and even from a projection standpoint, I have Liverpool at minus 1.8 on the spread. So at minus one and a half at plus 115, I mean, this is going to be hammer time for me for Liverpool. I really just don't see how United's even going to be competitive with this team at Anfield, given what we've seen from them against bigger sides this year. I think it's it's one or the other, right? You're either going to back Liverpool to win by multiple, multiple goals, or are you going to back United to to pull the upset? Because it's it's hard to imagine anything else happening here. It's either United shows up 
and they get lucky and the Liverpool's defensive regression finally catches up to them or five, nothing uh, to the Reds here uh, at, at home. It's really hard to imagine many, uh, any other outcomes here. Like yeah, it's not going to be a one, tight one nil win to Liverpool. Right. One thing I'll say about Liverpool as well is we're at the point in the season where yes, they've played a ton of matches, but they're in a rare spot where most of their team is pretty much healthy. So they've been able to rotate guys through a lot of these different matches. So they'll be able to bring out a somewhat fresh squad to play United. You know, it's not like the Liverpool we saw in the middle of the season that had all of their midfielders hurt and they really couldn't rotate. They are rotating defenders, att- midfielders, attackers. They are about as healthy as they've been under Klopp and about, I'd say, since they won the, the Premier League back in 2019-20 season. So I, I understand the spot that Liverpool's played a ton of matches, but they've also been able to rotate guys. So I don't think you're going to see them incredibly gassed on Tuesday. Yeah, I like both teams to score here. Uh, it's minus 130, 125s are out there. You shop around, try to find the best number as always. United did produce one and a half expected goals and 12 shots in the first match. Like that, People don't talk about that because Liverpool embarrassed them defensively so easily, but they were also vulnerable on the counter. And that was including the fact that Pogba got sent off in the 60th minute. So they played 30 minutes down a man, still got 12 shots, still got one and a half expected goals. I have United at 0.94 goals in this match. So they scored pretty pretty more often than not 62% to score. Uh, and that correlates to like minus 150. So you're getting a minus 130-ish number. And I know like Liverpool might not score, but does anybody really think that's going to happen? Uh, so no McTominay probably might be a good thing for United. I kind of think that like Sancho and Pogba as wide outlets to then kind of like spring Rashford and Ronaldo forward or Ilanga, whoever they end up playing kind of works better than trying to grind out Liverpool in the midfield, which you're not going to be able to do. So I think this is going to have back and forth action. I don't, I don't want to play United at minus one thirty plus one and a half. I think just kind of like, I don't show any value in it. One, two, uh, you know, this has the potential to get out of hand because United there, there's motivation questions. I understand this is Liverpool, but if it starts poorly, it could get out of hand. And so that's the scary part for me with backing a spread, which is why I'm backing the both teams to score. Because I do think we saw this against the city and city match under Ragnick. They were very able to break through in the same areas that I think they're going to be very able to break through this Liverpool team in behind Alexander Arnold in behind Robin Robertson. That's what Liverpool's weakest city exploited it. Benfica really exploited it with the backups in. I think United's going to do the same thing. Meanwhile, this defense is so bad. And you mentioned it with, with De Gea. I mean, for the last couple of years, De Gea was average, but they were getting lucky that teams were shooting poorly against them. You look at United's post-shot numbers, teams have shot well against United and they've gotten bailed out by De Gea. So, you know, there is a world where if De Gea had an average shot-stopping season, it would be even worse for this United team. It's, it's going to be a fun one, Tuesday, 3 p.m. to get the week started. And it only gets better from there. Uh, we'll start the Wednesday portion of the program with DJ's Arsenal. They're plus 310 traveling across London to take on Chelsea, minus 110. The draw here is plus 260. Three losses in a row for Arsenal. Four losses in their last five for Arsenal. Um, and then their last five there, 1-0-4, win draw loss, two goals for, eight goals against. But their expected goals numbers are not that bad, 6.4, expected goals for, 4.6 against. And, Anthony, this has been a line of yours this entire season is when Arsenal hits rock bottom, that's when I want to try to jump back in on them but they're going up against the Chelsea team that looks like they're trending in the right direction as well. So how are you playing this one? I have not made a bet yet. I want to wait and kind of get closer. And we, and we learn more about this Arsenal injury situation. We saw 
as much as I'm not an Alexander Lacazette guy because he's kind of like just not the player he was, he doesn't get enough to really sustain like a top four attack, top six attack even really. His absence was pretty noted on Saturday. I mean, they had point seven expected goals, I think, for the majority of that match. They did they did pack on some late, but they they really struggled to create chances and have somebody get on the end of those chances when they were able to break through Southampton's press. And this is from Ryan O'Hanlon. They don't have a single player in the top 100 of non-penalty expected goals plus expected assists per, per 90 minutes. And that's really the, the crux of the Arsenal regression. It was that like they have a lot of these okay to good players. They don't have any stars in attack who are going to be able to carry them through the periods when things aren't quite clicking. And I don't want to get dramatic about how bad Arsenal have been because they really haven't been that bad. I mean, they've been worse, but they haven't been bad. I know they've lost four out of five. But they've created four and a half expected goals and only scored one in the last three matches. And they only have two goals in the last five matches off of six and a half expected. So you look at like their passing numbers, which is always a good indicator for Arsenal. Like, are they getting disrupted? They've been over 80% every match, but one in the last eight. So like, it wasn't that like Brighton really took the ball off them often or Liverpool even like pressed, pressed the hell out of them and like they couldn't cope. It's just that their attack regressed and now they go up against Chelsea, who I think has found some interesting things with Werner. I think that their attack has taken a leap since Timo has been in the fold. They looked really good today against Palace, especially second half. And his ability to kind of get in behind has added an element to this attack that has been missing all year. It took them forever to get the ball up the field. They're just not, they don't have enough, you know, enough shots, enough threat to really take teams away and, and to really open teams up. Whereas it was a lot of just, we're going to grind our way to these results. And I think Werner has helped, even if he still will never be a good finisher, evidently. So I have not played this match. I will have a full preview up on Tuesday. I want to wait on the injury news on Lacazette, and I'm going to wait and kind of see what the market settles at uh, to, before I play this. I think it's it's Arsenal for me here and nothing. It's just, it's in a similar vein to Liverpool, Chelsea, has been playing a ton of soccer across a ton of different competitions. Now they come, I mean, they're home here, but they're, they're coming back home to, to host a team that will be fighting for their top four chances. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it is a must win, I guess, in some respect for, for Arsenal to keep those hopes alive. And like you, you've said on this show all along, like this is, this is the time you want to get in on Arsenal. It's just, we'll, we'll have to see what the lineup issues come, uh, the lineup news, how it, how it shakes out. BJ, uh, I'm going to cede the floor to you because you are our resident Arsenal tragic, but you're also someone who's probably going to be betting against them. Yeah, so I'm trying to like describe how I'm feeling right now. And the only thing that comes to mind is I feel like Matt Damon in The Departed when he's in the elevator with Leonardo DiCaprio behind him and he's saying, just kill me. Like, just please kill me. Like, this is how I feel right now with Arsenal. And this price is honestly really cheap for Chelsea. I mean, yes, you can say they all have third place wrapped up, but their form has actually been really, really good over the last three matches. Six nothing against Southampton, the three, two win in Madrid against Real. And then they come back and beat a really good Crystal Palace team, two nothing in the FA Cup. And I understand that they've lost back-to-back home matches against Brentford and Real Madrid, but before that, they won six straight at Stamford Bridge, and they have a plus 12 expected goal differential at home in the Premier League this season. And, you know, Anthony mentioned it, though. 
the Arsenal results have dipped, not necessarily the form. I mean, yes, they've lost three straight. Um, you mentioned, you know, the expected goal regressions. You could say, yes, they're going to get some positive regression at some point. I'm not really sure this is the spot where it's going to come. I think it's more going to come against United on Saturday because without party and tyranny, it's been really, really difficult. I mean, the Conga, he's good. He's just not ready to play as a, a number one starter in the Premier League. He needs to develop more. And Tavares, I mean, he didn't play. No, nobody really played bad against Southampton on Saturday. I really wasn't disappointed with the performance. And I think what it really boils down to is they've just defensively, they just made a few mistakes and people teams have just been capitalizing on it. You saw in the match against Liverpool, Ramsdale made a mistake and they scored the goal at the game against Southampton. It was just one defensive mistake where they allowed, uh, I can't remember who it was to get in behind and give it to uh, the guy who scored the goal. But it's just been a couple mistakes here, a couple mistakes there, and teams have just pounced on it. So playing a team like Chelsea that's in this good a form, uh, that's troublesome to me. Uh, and the history against Chelsea, it's not that great for Arsenal. I know they've had some good results against them in the past few years. Before that, it was really, really bad. But Arteta and Tuchel have met twice in the Premier League. Arsenal uh, got a shock win against Chelsea last season at the very end when uh, Chelsea mad about that. Yeah, they <laughs> completely dominated. So two matches and, you know, the first match was on the third match week uh, of the year this year. Chelsea completely throttled Arsenal. Arsenal was dealing with some COVID and some injury issues. So you could put whatever stock you want into that. But Arteta and Tuchel, the two times they've met, five expected goals for Chelsea to 0.9 for Arsenal. And Arsenal also has been really poor away from home this season, minus 3.2. Expected goal differential. Um, I mean, I have Chelsea projected at minus 147. So projection-wise, I definitely have some value on the Blues. I've already bet them uh, at minus 105 to grab all three points here. It's just really – I mean, Arsenal's positive regression is going to come at some point, but this is really not the spot running into a Chelsea team that's just been on fire. I think the under is going to be popular. That's just yeah. my opinion. Generally, like the public will, will look toward the under. And, and I kind of see the case for it. I mean – you know, Tuchel with the way they like to strangle possession, Arsenal with the way they like to strangle possession. There's like a meme on Twitter where like the teams are just passing the ball around in their own halves and not like ever progressing the ball up the pitch. And like if Werner wasn't playing and Lacazette was out, like where are the attacks going to score from, create chances from? So like I kind of see the case for that. Uh, and I do show a tiny bit of value on Chelsea. Last time I showed a tiny bit of value on Chelsea, they lost home to Real Madrid in the Champions League uh, and it didn't go well. So I'm not sure where I'm going to end up on this. Also, Tomiyasu matters a lot, I think. And oh, yeah. we haven't mentioned his yep. name, but he's questionable. Party's out. Yep. Tierney's out. But Tomiyasu is questionable. And I think his ability to kind of sustain possession and play through pressure is, is an underrated part of his skill set. And one that without him, you started to see more of the defensive mistakes creep in for Arsenal. Also, some of that was just they hadn't been punished for their mistakes earlier in the season, you know, the last really good run. And now they're kind of are. So, there's a lot of interesting angles here and stay tuned to the action app where I will have a pick on this game. All right, let's uh, move on to another Wednesday kickoff, a big one at Goodison Park. Oh boy. Uh, Everton plus 140 hosting Leicester City plus 205. The draw here is plus 240. Everton are now only three points ahead of Burnley. They do have a game in hand now that Burnley drew West Ham over the weekend and Everton was off because uh, they were scheduled to play Crystal Palace who were in the FA Cup semifinal. It's uh, another situation where I think it's it's not a must win for Everton, much like that Burnley match, but they lost. It's a it's a must not lose. Uh, they need to be able to keep their uh, two game advantage 
over Burnley because the goal differential is, is tied right now too. So it's not over. That Manchester United win was nice. The 10 days off are going to be nice, but they're, they're fine, right, Michael. They're, they're right back in. Uh, their ass is right back in. They're the back. Jackpot. They're, they're right back. back in the jackpot. Fine. Right back in the jackpot. I will say though, um, I like them here. I think plus 140 is a good price to, to bet against Leicester uh, on the road, right? Sometimes a betting doesn't come down to, hey, I'm betting on this team. It's I'm betting against team B. Uh, and that's what I'm doing here. Leicester City coming off a loss against Newcastle have allowed 1.96 expected goals per match over their last six matches. Not exactly against a murderer's row either. Le- uh, Leeds, Palace, Brentford, United, Arsenal, and Newcastle. So basically a bunch of teams between 17th and 6th. Uh, or fifth in in the Premier League, and they've gotten results right. Like they've won what three out of their last six. Yeah, three one and two win draw loss in their last six. But they've lost the expected goals battle in five of those six, and it all comes down to a poor defense. So Everton should get on the board here, and I'm going to say something I'm going to regret come uh, Wednesday at three or five p.m. Eastern time. I trust their defense because they're getting Yerry Mina back, and they have. Fabian Delph and uh, Allen right in front of the, that back four. And Delph, th- those two worked perfectly together against Man United. And for however long that Fabian Delph, Delph is healthy, he's going to be one of the most important members of the squad, being the pivot between that back four and uh, the front three. So I'm going to take Everton here, plus 140 at home. Uh, they've been better uh, at Goodison's Park than they have been on the road. That's been a, a situation all season. It's not just Lampard. So, Yeah. Not, not what I'm looking forward to here. Anthony, what do you see here, Foxes and Toffees? Yeah, I'll go lean Everton. You know, I was first kind of surprised by the number, but then I remembered that Leicester's a luck box, right? Like this this market doesn't really respect them much. And yeah. I actually have written down on my notes, surprising line. That's the first thing I have written down. Uh, yeah, and, and then I looked into it. I ran my own numbers and like I came out right around where it was. Uh, Everton, the last, since December 12th. So I just kind of randomly was playing around with the sliders and like fell on that date. So this is not like a statistically significant date, but like there's a lot of minutes that they've played since December 12th. And it's a pretty big enough sample that I feel representative about it and includes some, of course, pre Lampard minutes, but Lester we've seen ups and downs with them too. XG difference per 90 Everton minus 0.7 Lester minus 0.5, but let's consider the results. Actual goal difference per 90 Everton is still minus minus 0.9. So they run a little cold, but right around the number. Leicester has a positive goal difference since December 12th, despite playing at a half goal worse per match than their opponents. I mean, that is insane. And they got a little unlucky today, I guess, but not really. Like it was unlucky in the sense that it was the last kick of the game, but they didn't deserve that point really, uh, unfortunately. But in Newcastle, we'll talk about them in a minute. But I think the main reason for why they played better, played better in air quotes, is that Schmeichel has finally like showed up this season. He was the bottom three or four keeper most of the first half-ish of the season, and their defense was bad and not saving shots. But he's now back to about average. So he's played really well the last two months, save this defense, if we're being honest. I mean, the defense has not improved. And Everton is getting healthier. I think that's a big key. Mina getting back big. Vandebeek might play too. I mean, the Everton sheet, premierinjuries.com, we used to pull it up. You'd have to like scroll. It was like 12 players long. Now it's like three or four, which is kind of encouraging. Uh, and the only fear here is the defensive errors from overpressing. We've seen this Everton's getting kind of out of position. And then in West Ham just kind of like walked in for a goal and Spurs walked in for like three goals. Uh, that's our only fear with Leicester because they're so good at that. 
Yeah, they're very I, good I, at you know one ball. Killamans beats one guy. Madison plays one pass, and like Daka's in, and you're like, well, shit, we were dominating the first hour, and now it's like we're losing. Uh, so that's the only fear for me with these Foxes team is that like they can quick strike you, and they're still good at that. Like their attack is still pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I I lean Everton here. Yeah, that that was my fear against United too, but I think. Lampard and, and he said the right things about it too. It's, it's they've kind of learned their lesson from from setting up in that way. Whereas now it's just you know pull one out of the Sam Allardyce book and do whatever you have to do to avoid losing a match. Uh, and, and that's kind of what they did against United. I mean, there were so many times in that game where uh, Richarlison, Anthony Gordon, and Dominic Calvert Lewin pushed forward. They had Alex Awobi as kind of you know the fourth man in, and then. Everybody else was was back, you know, Delph, Alan, like they were all back with with the back four. So um, I'm not as worried about that as I was going into that that United game. They've learned their lesson, I'm hoping. Uh, and yeah, like you said, getting healthier. They actually have options in the middle of the, the park now, which is something they haven't had in months, months. Uh, so and, and they're not going to have to play players out of position. So. Yeah, this is um, this is actually it's it looks like a good spot for Everton, which which makes it all the more horrifying. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, like the foxes, we have our little matrix we use. The only green that pops up is, you know, notable notable green at least that I, you know, look at is, is XG per ninety, right? And they're seventh. But again, like we talked about this last week, the progressive numbers like passing, thirteenth, and they're twentieth in crosses into the box, fourteenth in box entries. Like they're not doing the things that lead to these really good chances that well. And so how long does that hold up? It wasn't like, I went back and looked at like last season and two years ago when they were like legitimately a top six team and their progressive numbers were considerably better. Like they were sixth, seventh, not 14th, despite maintaining this, this good attack. So I don't know how they're doing it, but their attack has remained good despite numbers that suggest they are not particularly good. All right. Uh, let's move on to, Newcastle and Crystal Palace of the six matches, like I said, this is the one with the least amount of jeopardy. Although, uh, as Anthony noted to me, pre-pod, a top 10 finish for both of these uh, sizes, it would be nice, especially Palace. I mean, and Patrick Vieira is going to be up there for, for manager of the year. He, he won't win it because they're where they're going to finish, but he's going to yeah, Newcastle some, doesn't need the money. He's going to get some time. Yeah, who's, the, who's the manager of the year? Uh, I mean, I think it'll probably go to whoever wins the title race. Right, but you know, who but, would your manager of the year be? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. The probably, would be probably, it, it would probably my be Palace, I, right? It would be. Yeah, I would probably give it to Palace. Yeah, I always look right. at it. You, you can kind of look at it from where are your expectations of Palace? Yeah, relegate, relegation fight, bottom six. Five. Yeah, Anthony. But, Anthony. By the way, I I've been waiting to mention this. Thomas Anthony. Frank, actually. Uh, I asked Anthony. Uh, oh yes. Am I crazy to take Crystal Palace over thirty-four and a half points? And he said yes at the beginning of the season. And they have. I think I. I think I said Vieira. Vieira, first manager to be fired. Like, I don't yeah, think yeah. I actually said said that, but I like joked about it. I was not high on him. I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been fantastic. But yeah, I just I think- have hated Palace. I mean, they 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 luck box their way into this league for like three or four years, but now they're like actually good. So I got to respect them. Yeah, Palace Palace ball. I mean, get to the FK Cup semifinal too. So uh, good for Crystal Palace. Good for the fans down there in South London. Uh, they're traveling north though for this one to take on Newcastle. It's St James. Newcastle's plus one forty. Palace is plus two ten. The draw here is plus 230. This is about where that, that Leicester line was, and I think Palace is a better team than Leicester. I'll note that, but I don't really have much here because I think it's a, a, a tough spot for, for the Eagles coming off of that uh, FA Cup semifinal match against Chelsea. They lose 2-0. They 
played well as well as they could against a, a much better team. Uh, and Newcastle has been better defensively lately under uh, one expected goal allowed in the last two matches against Wolves and Leicester. Uh, so maybe some, some uh, improvement coming there. So nothing for me here that, that really interests me. BJ palace, Newcastle, anything for you? Yeah. So, I mean, the more we've talked about this seems like two weeks now where the market has just somewhat overreacted to Newcastle and I've tried to bet against it and it hasn't worked. They got me on the last kick of the game today, but I mean, didn't really deserve to win that based on XG. Um, But with that being said, so these two teams for the season are now tied 37 points, but the gap in terms of XG is massive and wildly different. Newcastle minus 15.6 expected goal differential on the season. Crystal Palace is at plus 1.8. Even if we go back and start from the January transfer window when Newcastle brought in all these new players, Crystal Palace has an even expected goal differential. Newcastle's at plus 1.5. So they've just barely been better than Palace over that time frame. But Pal- but Newcastle's picked up 12 more points than them. So that's how much Newcastle has overperformed even since the January transfer. Now, the biggest thing for me in this matchup is Crystal Palace is pressing. Newcastle in their last two matches have faced very poor pressing teams in Leicester and Wolves, but Crystal Palace presses at the third highest rate. They're top half in the Premier League in pass per defensive action and high turnovers. Newcastle 19th in offensive pass per defensive action and progressive passes and dribbles. So I'd imagine they're going to have a much more difficult time trying to play through Palace's pressure. On the flip side, Crystal Palace, they tend to struggle when teams press them successfully. Well, Newcastle is definitely not that team because they are 19th in pass per defensive action, pressure success rate, and high turnovers. And from a market standpoint, I said this last week, but if you look around other projection sites, I mean, 538 has Crystal Palace as a slight favorite. Info goal has this at basically straight up a pick em. I have Palace as a slight favorite at St. James Park. So I, I love the value on John Obet uh, at plus 125. From, just from a protection standpoint, this line is a little out of control. And we're going to probably keep seeing this from Newcastle uh, from now until the end of the season. So um, I'll keep trying to fade them and, and keep losing. But, I mean, eventually, I mean, these lines are getting just too ridiculous on Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird spot for me here. I've, I've been on Palace for basically this entire season. I've been betting them, and uh, I'll be probably sitting this one out while you two are on my Eagles. Maybe I'll jump in because, Anthony, looks like you're looking that way too, right? Yeah, this is tough too. Like, I went back and looked into Newcastle again because I was like, what are we missing here, right? Because anytime we're consistently off on a team, I get worried that I'm we're missing something. And with this team, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, they played bad. They were like 18th, 19th consensus team in the league. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Watford and Norwich were the only two teams I ever had with them. They were a relegation team. We all thought they were going down. Then they get bought. Then they make good signings. Good signings that like we didn't think were that good of signings, but clearly have improved them. But how far do you go now? Like, how good are they? Because I they, they played like the 14th best team based on expected goals since January 31st, the end of the January transfer window, which isn't, which is good. But like, are they better than that? Because the market here says they definitely are because they're now a pretty solid favorite against a team whose consensus top 12, you know, 10, 11, 12, depending on where you have them. So I don't have palace that much worse. I have them, excuse me, palace that much worse when you factor in home field advantage for Newcastle. So I'm going to play palace here. I think the, the draw no bet line or the plus a quarter goal is fine. Uh, I'm coming. I just, I, I, I can't, I can't like, I, I don't know what we're missing here. Like, okay. So, 
like 538 has this as a toss up. I have it as a toss up. Uh, BJ, I haven't looked at your numbers, but I'm guessing you have it as t- Crystal Palace awesome. plus 134. You have them as a favorite. Yep. Yeah. So you're higher than them than even I am. So, you know, the market, I respect the market and Newcastle's clearly won the last two matches and played relatively well. I mean, like they've been ugly games, but Palace has the better attack out of, you know, when you compare it to like the Wolves, for example, and Wolves and last year are two teams we think are pretty big lock boxes. So maybe they were due for some bad results to go against them. I don't feel that way about Palace at all. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play with Palace. Here's one thing I will say about Newcastle. Look, if you look through their schedule since the January transfer, window, it's really not that difficult. They've played Chelsea and they've played Tottenham. And they got thoroughly thrashed by Tottenham and Chelsea pretty much dominated in most of the match because they didn't create anything. If you look through and the teams that they've played that press successfully, they've tended to struggle. I mean, you look Chelsea, only 0.2 XG against Southampton, only 0.6. You have Brentford in there. Obviously, they got a red card in the 10th minute, so you got to throw that one out. You go to Leeds, they only had 1.1 expected goals. So, yes, they've created some chances. I mean, they the only two teams they've created over uh, two expected goals since the January transfer window are Everton and Brentford. So, other than that, I mean, it's it's really not that good, honestly. I, I'm looking through. I'm not really that impressed with their, their results, but they've obviously had some back-to-back two good back-to-back results, but I really think when they have to face a team that's going to press them successfully, they're going to crumble. So I think this match is going to show that. It's It's been a, just such a strange year with Newcastle too. Just the way they started, they looked like a, a surefire thing yeah. for relegation. Then obviously the, the takeover by a, a murderous and regime. Look, and then like they're going to, they're going to sign a bunch of players this yeah, summer. Yeah, I have, I don't know how we're going to have a hard I have no idea how I'm projecting next them. year. Yeah, I have yeah, absolutely yeah. no idea. I've already thought about it and I'm not excited for it. I know. I, I, we might have to wait like five matches before we even bet them because I truly have no idea. Like yeah. we've, never, I, we've said this before, we've never been in a scenario, especially midway through the season, where uh, a team near the bottom gets bought uh, by basically the richest person bank. in the world. With the bottomless vault. Who has unlimited money. Like this just doesn't happen it'll be fun and then and i mean you and I look in, bruno gimaris is uh, gimaris is amazing by the way yeah he's, he's a great player, player. And like and, if I they mean, were to go throw a ton of money at another good midfielder and like i mean they, maybe a they quadrupled his wages i mean they can just do that to teams yeah. the players that's what they can do and then you factor in eddie howe too like who's a manager who i think is really tough to read as well um and it, i think i have to improve my view on him because yeah i didn't think their players that they signed were that good like gimaris wasn't even playing that much but they're playing way better like, Chris Woods Joe actually Linton been is a midfielder good. now. Joe Linton is a midfielder now. Yeah, like he, Dan Byrne. I mean, we all thought Linton's the best high. pressing midfielder on planet Earth. Like it's yes. it's crazy. Let's talk about the team that uh, Newcastle will be fighting uh, for the title with against next year, or fighting against for the title next year. It's Manchester City, another team owned by uh, a nation state. They're minus four seventy five hosting Brighton owned by a professional gambler. Uh, they're sixteen to one on the money line. The draw here is five and a half to one. Back-to-back wins for the Seagulls as five-to-one money line underdogs. Don't know if it's gonna happen again here with uh, them sitting at it's sixteen to one, and it's oh. 16, 16 to one. Uh, Pretty mad I hadn't either, to be honest. Yeah, of the money line, I did bet them both games, but I didn't have yep. the money line. I'm very upset about it. The, the way they did it too was interesting, right? Like they they didn't they kind of did an opposite of what they normally do. They they only created. 0.71 expected goals for uh, per 90 in their last four matches, I should say. And then they lost the expected goals battle to, to Arsenal. And then it was a toss up against Spurs, but it was a good defensive 
effort from Brighton holding them uh, Tottenham, a red hot Tottenham offense under one uh, expected goal and, and getting a clean sheet. Yeah. But if you don't, if you look at their last four matches and draw a line through the Norwich city match, they've, they've only created 0.71 expected goals four per 90 and against the city defense. It's, it's tough. Uh, it's going to be tough sledding is what I should say. And, and it's, it's the type of game where it should be a slog city, you know, we've talked about it with Chelsea. We've talked about it with Liverpool, another tough spot coming off the FA cup semifinal loss. Prior to that, they played in the Champions League and they had that crazy game with Atleti. Before that, they played Liverpool and then Atleti. And so it's just been a, a wild run here for, for City. Now they play Brighton, um, a team that, that that can lull you to sleep the same way City kind of can. Just And I, I think this game screams under. I think if you want to bet like first half draw, that might be an interesting way to angle it. But I do think City eventually gets out of, uh, out of dodge here at home with the three points. So I got nothing really here. BJ, you got your Brighton jersey on. Yeah. Uh, but uh well they they gave me hope, Michael, on Saturday morning. Hope for an Arsenal top four. And then yeah. Arsenal does what they do and they take my head and they curb stomp those hopes. BJ tweeted Olympia. Brighton in all caps. I'm I'm sitting in my room and I'm just watching this and I'm the goal I was so goes happy. in. I was so happy. And yeah. then then I wasn't after that. I was okay with the draw for betting purposes and, and fan purposes, but then they had to go stick the knife. Ah, in nah, the win was great. Well, for you. And, but then, but then Southampton won and I was like, yeah. okay, well, thank God I didn't play Arsenal one and two. Ha. But I like Brighton, you know, the saying, what's the saying form is temporary class is permanent. <laughs> yep. Brighton had a dip in form. They were bad. They lost like six in a row. They tied Norwich. Everybody's like, Oh, it's over. Brighton is a dog has returned. You know, they lost some matches as favorites, but they're an underdog yet again. And I know they got waxed by City. I mean, waxed, waxed. It's three nil and a half hour the first time they played this year. But that's one game. Form is temporary. Class is permanent. Grand Potter's class. Last year, they played twice. One nil. Brighton won the second match. It was after City had clinched the league. But again, there's no reason they can't be competitive with them. They're competitive with Liverpool. They're competitive with Arsenal. They're beating Spurs and Arsenal. They're tying Liverpool. They have tied Chelsea twice. Why are they, why can't they get a result or lose by one or even two and push? I like the plus two at minus one twenty five. I bet it already. I don't think it's a great matchup, but I didn't think it was a great matchup with Tottenham either. I think I thought Tottenham's quick strike attack would be a big problem, and it wasn't. They just took it away. So I'm trusting Potter as a dog. I think this is like a one nil two one kind of game. And then we'll close it out with another big one for the relegation battle. It's Burnley plus 190 hosting Southampton. The draw here is plus 235. Let's pause for a second to discuss what happened at Burnley on Friday. Uh, Sean Deitch was let go, resigned. It, it seemed all sorts of confusion, but it was that he was sacked, I guess, uh, by the owners. They bring in uh, an interim manager, Michael Jackson, I believe, Michael Johnson. I can't remember his name now. And Ben Mee, uh, their center back and, and club captain is, is an interim coach as well because he's hurt. And what happens, the new manager bounce uh, results in a, a 1-1 draw to West Ham in a game that they were both lucky not to lose, but also unlucky not to win because they could have went up 2-0 on a Maxwell Cornet uh, penalty shot that he missed so yeah, it's just a weird one. They they allowed 2.79 expected goals to West Ham, and they've allowed 6.7 expected goals allowed over their last three matches. So when you talk about Sean Dyche, that's not what you'd expect. You'd expect these defensive numbers to be a little bit better. The offensive numbers, you know, they don't really matter to Burnley when Dyche uh, has his paws on them. But I just almost like Newcastle a little bit, or, you know, I guess you could say Everton. The numbers really don't matter 
all that much when you're handicapping a Burnley match right now because you just kind of don't know what this team's going to do on a given night. They're all over the place with with everything, but they work hard. They're going to work hard. They're going to fight for their Premier League lives, and that might be enough in the spot to uh, pull one over on Southampton, who's got nothing to play for and is traveling to Turf more on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening for them. So I don't know, BJ, uh, any, any thoughts here? This is not a uh, goodbye. It's, it's see you later to Sean Dyche. He'll be back with some other club and bringing them up from the ruins and we'll be, he'll be back in the premier league. In yeah, no it's time. Birmingham city is going to be the one. Birmingham city, yeah. Scunthorpe United. Some, some one of these teams he'll bring up uh, and we'll see him again at some point. Very weird. Honestly, I was shocked. I mean, he's been there for 10 years. It feels very weird to, Period, like a very weird sacking. So, but I mean, the style of play from Burnley is not going to change at all. I mean, they said it on the broadcast today. It, this team only knows how to play one way together. So, <laughs> changing that for the last this last little bit stretch of the season, I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Really, what they should do, they should get uh, Sam Allardyce and get him uh, on the in the dugout and and allow him to to run this four four two and. Maybe get some revenge on Everton, but they, they won't do that. Uh, but as far as this match is concerned, I don't see anything other than chaos. I mean, they allowed, I mean, the second half, there were just chances galore for West Ham. Uh, I mean, there was 4.6 total expected goals created in that match today. I mean, we have rivaling 4-4-2s playing against each other, but I mean, Southampton's been wide open at the back. And this is the second year now, and I think we need to, to pencil this in next year because this is the second straight year that Southampton just completely fallen off a cliff over the second half of the season. Once they get comfortable in the middle of the table. So since January 15th, Southampton's defense is allowing 1.65 expected goals per match, which is 17th in the premier league, but Burnley, they haven't been that great over that same time frame. Either they're allowing around 1.6 expected goals per match, but this isn't really that great of a matchup for Southampton because not only are they dead last in big scoring chances allowed, but they're also 14th and crosses allowed in their own penalty area. And Burnley is top 10 at playing through pressure. But I actually like over two and a half goals at plus 110. I have about 2.67 goals projected for this one. And I don't really see uh, how either of these teams aren't going to play incredibly open with what we've seen from Southampton over the last few weeks. And given the fact that Burnley does not have the luxury of just sitting back in their 4-4-2, they have to come out and they have to go for wins. So I'm expecting chaos, like over two and a half goals at plus 110. Anthony, uh, before the show, I was saying that I, I'm concerned as an Everton fan that this is a great time to be playing Southampton. I think that, uh, like I said, it's just they got nothing to play for. They're traveling up to, to Turf Moor and um, from, from the sunny south coast to <laughs> Lancaster. That's not uh, something to really look forward to, I guess, especially in a meaningless game. However, you said I, I might be uh, underestimating Ralph Hasenhudel's charges here. Yeah, I mean, like their defense has fallen off, but I don't think they've like quit. I mean, they just beat Arsenal, right? Uh, so I don't have a strong opinion here. I also lean toward the over Burnley were way too open at the end of the match today. I mean, I, I was Burnley better and I was like, why are they sending five dudes forward in the 88th minute in a tie game? Don't Sean Dyche would never. Uh, so maybe this is going to be a little bit more open of a, of a strategy, maybe because they need points. They're going to be at home. I get, I, I get all those points, right? I, I understand it. Um, but yeah, I think that all kind of leans that way. And I don't have a strong read here. I, over, last time they played, it went over pretty comfortably and it was pretty wide open more than you'd think there was some set piece goals. There was a couple of howlers from Southampton. Remember at the time of the year, Southampton was the team who was the big underperformer and their goalie was running really hot. Well, now that's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. So 
I have no strong opinion on this match. Weather weather update uh, from Burnley on Thursday. It can't be be bad. I mean, I guess the rain just follows Sean. Oh, the rain. Yeah, I mean the rain. Seven and partly cloudy. I mean, it's 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 beautiful. Quite quite beautiful day. uh, April day. Yeah, April's a nice month. Yeah. That'll wrap up the Premier League part of the show. Let's move on to uh, a couple other leagues that are in action. Uh, We'll start with La Liga. BJ, what do you have for us here? Yeah, I'm going to go with the snoozer. Celta Vigo, Getafe, both teams score no at minus 130. Going to be a real – I mean, the total is set at two with minus 110 both ways on the over and under. I mean, these teams have been setting up very, very defensively. Both play out of four four twos. They're both very good defensively out of those formations, allowing under 1.25 XG per 90. Getafe is the worst offense in Spain and maybe the worst in all of Europe. They're only averaging 0.67 non-penalty expected goals per match. In fact, they've only created a total of 15 big scoring chances in 32 matches, which is the lowest mark among Europe's, Europe's top five leagues. With that being said, they are a very good defensive team, allowing on a little under one non-penalty expected goal per match. They're top five in Spain and shots allowed per 90 and big scoring chances allowed. Celta Vigo has been in a rut offensively over the past three months, only averaging around 0.9 XG per 90 over the last 12 matches. And honestly, the biggest problem is they're just not getting very many shots off. 15th in La Liga in shots per 90. Defensively, though, they've been excellent in those 12 matches, only 1.02 non-penalty expected goals allowed per match and only eight big scoring chances allowed as well. This is the biggest thing, though. In 20 of of Celta Vigo's 32 matches, at least one team has failed to score at least one expected goal for Getafe. That number's 27 out of 32. So they've just been incredibly defensive, incredibly sloggy, and I'm expecting that for this one. I have the both teams to score no line projected at minus 220. So I love the value on both teams to score no at minus 130, and I'm hoping for a snoozer. Uh, Anthony, you also are looking at something in La Liga over the midweek. Yeah, Rio Vallecano, draw no bet at plus 110. I mean, it's been a fun year for this team. I mean, they started off the season ridiculously hot. They were underrated in the market horrendously to begin the season. Then they became overrated. Now they're underrated again. They went through a terrible period. They're, they have not won in, in, a, in a quite a while in La Liga at this point now. Uh, winless lost a match over the weekend to Alaves that they were the, clearly the better side. They have not won a match in La Liga since Alaves. Alaves in December. So I understand that that is a scary proposition to back said team, but they are 14th in the La Liga table despite having a pretty even goal difference. And now they're playing an Espanol team who's been pretty fortunate and run very well the entire season, uh, except for today against Atleti when they got a horrendous beat in the 99th minute. Uh, but overall, I mean, this this team... 12th in the table, despite bottom five numbers. So I'm not really a big Espanol fan. And I think Rio should be a favorite. So at plus 110, I'm taking the Rio boys on the draw no bet line to finally win a damn match. I didn't realize how long it's really been. I said it last week. Yeah, I know. And they should have won. They were the better team. (laughs) And how about this? There's some legal to talk about. Ale Loem. That's all I have to say. PJ. What a performance in the loss today. Shout out, feet, but they shout out to Bordeaux, by the way, get an 85th minute penalty after being down five, nothing to get both teams to score. That was beautiful. That was very poetic. So you shout out to know, right? I'm guessing, you know, they're going to, even though they're going to be probably going down, shout out to them. Big relegation six pointer Bordeaux and Saint Etienne. 
Oh no, we're going. Oh Bordeaux. and oh no, what? we're going Bordeaux. No, 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 we're going Bordeaux. You're betting Bordeaux. I am betting Bordeaux. Okay. Is that your uh, is that your favorite bet? This I might be no, that's not my yeah. pick, but I will be betting Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm loving I'm loving snoozers in the midweek. Um, Lens Montpellier under two and a half at plus one ten. Two offenses that have overperformed pretty drastically this season. Montpellier scored 44 goals off 35 expected lens 50 off of 44 expected lens has been getting very lucky offensively. As of late last four matches scored eight goals off 4.1 expected. Uh, the Montpellier defense is really bad. Uh, they ranked dead last in shots allowed per 90 box entries crosses completed in the penalty area. But with that being said, they're very good at, keeping those chances in the box to as low of quality as possible because they are eighth in big scoring chances allowed and they're fourth in average shot distance. Uh, Lens, also an outstanding defense that should be able to put up a clean sheet against a overperforming Montpelier offense. Lens, top six in expected goals allowed, shots allowed per 90, big scoring chances allowed, and their defense has been very good at home, only allowing, only allowing uh, 1.1 XG per 90. Uh, I only have around two point three goals projected. So under two and a half at plus plus one ten, I think it's a decent price uh, on lens Montpelier. All right. Uh, let's move on to our favorite underdogs for the midweek. Anthony, I'll let you kick it off. We have been so close the last few weeks. I mean, we had two out of three a couple weeks ago and Bologna drew in the final match. We had two out of three last weekend. Brest took the lead one nil. Then you jinxed it. I did not jinx it. I don't believe yes, you in that, did. but all I said was we're live which we were at the time. Anybody, uh, anybody out there who's listening to this, I'm going to say this, Anthony, if this happens again, just don't say a word, please. I'm not going to say a word. It, no. Just let it happen. Okay. Well, we were 83 to one and we were ahead in all three or have won all three matches at one point. So we are, we, we are so close that I can almost taste it. And I am going with the worst team in Spain based on the table to win a match because anytime you can fade, bet on Levante. You have to do it at home. And I understand that they have conceded 62 goals in 32 matches, but their expected goals say they should have only conceded 43. They've scored 39 from a expected 41. So they are the unluckiest team in years, really. And probably the unluckiest team in Europe. I don't have the whole table in front of me, but I'm fairly confident they are. They are at home against Sevilla who blew the lead against Real Madrid today. Probably a little unlucky there. But over the course of the season, they are third in the La Liga table, tied with Atleti and Barca. But their expected goal differential per 90 minutes, ninth. So Sevilla, extremely overrated. Levante is actually pretty much two spots behind them in the table. So in, in the XG table, but the actual table, they're 17 spots apart. The gap between these two teams is not big enough for Sevilla to be a plus 110 favorite on the road. So give me Levante at home plus 250. I'm going with Manchester United of all people. Uh, they're seven to one against Liverpool. Uh, it's been a, a really, really ugly season and a really ugly couple months for Manchester United. And it nearly, nearly hit rock bottom against Norwich on the weekend. And that makes us a good spot to buy low on the red devils. Even if it means a bet against red hot Liverpool and boy, uh, betting against Liverpool, it's not fun. They're 10-1-0 win draw loss in their last 11 Premier League matches, and that doesn't include an FA Cup win and a win and a, a draw in the Champions League. So this sounds terrible, and it will be terrible. 
But at some point, the defensive regression will come for this team. They've allowed just four goals in their last 11 matches. But according to expected goals, that number should be closer to nine. So hopefully, the United is a team to, to reap some of uh, that defensive regression because for all their defensive flaws, United are actually a decent offensive outfit. They're creating 1.73 expected goals for per 90 over their last 13 matches. So they should hopefully be able to get on the board and, and maybe some defensive improvement in a, in a game that will matter a lot to them against a team that's in a terrible spot coming off of two games against Man City in a week, champions, two Champions League tie uh, sandwiched in, on either side of those and a uh, Mar- Merseyside Derby to look forward to on the weekend. So Liverpool's been playing a ton of soccer. Hopefully United can nick this one, 7-1. BJ, your favorite underdog. I'm going to go Nice plus 320 and on against on the road at Monaco. I have Nice projected at plus 270, so it's showing a little bit of value there. This is a good sell high spot on Monaco, who's won four straight matches, just beat Ren on the weekend uh, on Friday, 3-2. Been running a little hot offensively, scored about 10 goals off of seven expected. Nice has really rebounded from a little bit of a dip in form. They just destroyed Lorient. Uh, this past Sunday, they lost three nothing to Lens, but won expected goals two to to one. You know they they lost to Marseille even on expected goals. They beat PSG was even on expected goals with them. This is just a really really good team, and the Monaco offense really has been struggling this season. They're ninth in non penalty expected goals and thirteenth in shots per ninety in Lyon. So I think this is a decent price uh, on Christophe Galtier's boys to grab all three points in a really really heated. Uh, top three battle in France right now. So give me these plus 320. All right, uh, let's move on to our favorite Premier League bets. I'm going to kick it off here because they're my boys. Everton plus 140 against Leicester. Sometimes in betting, you're betting on teams. Sometimes you're betting against teams. In this case, betting against Leicester City. Uh, they have a 3-1-2 and record win draw loss over the last six matches, but they've lost the expected goal battle in five of those six matches. And in that span, they've allowed... 1.96 expected goals against for 90 minutes. Uh, so it's hard to imagine uh, them keeping Everton off the board here. Meanwhile, Everton should continue to improve defensively with Yuri Mina back in the lineup and Fabian Delph and Alan back and healthy. They looked good against Manchester United, protecting Everton's shaky back four. And as bad as Everton have been overall, they've been abysmal on the road and not terrible, not too, too terrible at home. They've been much better uh, at home than on the road. So I think this is a good price plus 140 to take on Leicester in a, in a game that matters nothing to them and the world to Everton at home in front of that Goodison park crowd should be electric on Wednesday night. BJ, your favorite bet. Liverpool minus four and a half at plus 115. So what has changed for Manchester United playing against big squads from old Dennis Solskjaer to Ralph Ragnick? Well, to me, nothing. We've seen it one time under Ragnick when they've played against Manchester City and they got absolutely throttled. So I think this is another spot where United is going to get caught, which happens a lot when they play Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester, Manchester City, where they get caught in their own final third and they're just hoping, hoping that they can send Ronaldo or Sancho out on a counter and potentially score. Well, Liverpool, I understand they've been playing a lot of matches over the past two weeks. This is their sixth match in 17 days, but they have been in incredible form, especially at home in the Premier League. Last 10 Premier League matches, they've won all of them, have a plus 24.3 expected goal differential. And Manchester United, on the other hand, they went up 2-0 against Norwich on Saturday. They allowed the worst team in the Premier League to draw them level at 2-2 and needed a Ronaldo stunner 
to actually get win the match 3-2. And expected goals was about even with the worst team in the Premier League. The last time these two teams met, Liverpool thrashed them 5-0. When they've had to play City and Chelsea, I mean, the combined expected goal differential is around minus nine against City, Chelsea, and Liverpool this season. So I do not see how United's going to be competitive here, especially going to Anfield with another look ahead against a huge match against Arsenal on Saturday. I have Liverpool spread projected at minus 1.8. So I love the Reds minus one and a half at plus 115. All right. And Anthony, uh, you can take us home here. Yeah, I'm going to stick in the same game. I'm going to take both teams to score. Yes, minus 130. I think people are getting so into this Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool will dominate this match and they very well may. And I think they will create a ton of chances and probably score multiple goals in this match. But I also think the Liverpool defense continues to play a style with such a high line and so aggressive that they are vulnerable on the counter. They're vulnerable over the top. They're vulnerable on the wings and behind Alexander Arnold and Robertson. I have United projected at 0.94 goals in this match, which means they score about 62% of the time. You can get minus 130 out there. Last time they met, of course, it was an embarrassment. Liverpool won 5-0. But United managed 12 shots, one and a half expected goals, and really should have scored in the match despite getting a red card in the 60th minute. I do think there will be goals, and I do think United will score. And, of course, Liverpool at home will be heavily fancied to score. So I'm going both teams to score. Minus 130 in this match. All right, and that should do it for another episode of Wonder Goal for Anthony DeBondo and BJ Cunningham. I'm Michael Leboff, wishing you the best of luck with your bets this week, and we will see you Thursday morning.